Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome wrestling fans and Sam Roberts friends. I guess some of my friends might be listening, but Sam Roberts fans, welcome to another episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast and a great episode for you this week. It's so close. What are we, three weeks, two and a half weeks away from WrestleMania? doesn't really feel like it. still feels like there's a little bit of work to be done, but a lot of work is getting done. I'll talk about all that in the state of wrestling, how much work is getting done in a short period of time. I don't know if that was intended. I don't know if that was something that uh, they have to do because they, they, they can't push WrestleMania back on the calendar. So maybe they're going, oh boy, we got about two weeks. What are we going to fill this card up with? Or from the beginning, maybe they were saying, well, you know what? Let's leave them wanting more until the very last minute. I'll talk about all that in the state of wrestling. A couple of notes. If you want to see the interview with Mark Henry from a couple of weeks ago, yours truly, along with Peter Rosenberg and the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. If you want to watch that, then go on YouTube, youtube.com slash NotSam. You can see the entire Mark Henry interview as well as some clips and soon I was just going through old memory cards, and I realized that I never uploaded the Corey Graves interview on YouTube. It was a great podcast. It was a great interview. I just have had so much going on that I never got to share that with you. There is video of that, and that will be up on YouTube in the coming weeks. Uh, WrestleMania is going to be a big time for this podcast. It's going to be spectacular. Yours truly and uh, everybody's favorite state of wrestling guest, Katie Linendahl, are headed to... San Jose, California. We will be there for WrestleMania, getting a whole bunch of interviews with people, so it'll be a very exciting time, a lot of coverage, but we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. First, make sure you get yourself a t-shirt at prowrestlingtees.com slash Sam Roberts. As I said, I'll be at WrestleMania, so I want to see at least one person with a What's the Haps t-shirt, a Not Sam t-shirt, a Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirt. I want to see... Get yourself some real smart mark credit. I want to see a Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirt on somebody while I'm out there in San Jose. Make it happen. Only you. Teamwork makes the dream work, okay? And that's my dream uh, because my other dream has been fulfilled, and that's talking to Tommy Dreamer. That's right. Founder, star of, booker of, house of hardcore, arguably the most iconic superstar to come out of ECW, Uh, He's been in WWE. He's been in TNA. This is a guy who lives pro wrestling, eats, sleeps, prays, spends, buys pro wrestling. Everything is pro wrestling to one Tommy Dreamer. Tommy Dreamer, not only does he exemplify uh, loving the business of pro wrestling, but 
He also is one of the few people that's been able to maintain his own image throughout his career. It seems like everywhere he's gone, he's gone on his own terms. He showed up in ECW as a youngster, a good-looking dude in MC Hammer pants and, and suspenders. I think he borrowed Coco Beware's outfit from High Energy. But very quickly realized that was not where he wanted to go in wrestling. He showed up in black slacks and an ECW t-shirt. And he took those slacks and that black t-shirt and he brought them with him throughout his run in ECW. Stayed there until the very end. Brought them with him to WWE. Brought them with him to TNA. And now you'll see him still the Tommy Dreamer that you know and love in House of Hardcore and other various indie promotions throughout the United States. This is one of the few guys who, during the Monday Night Wars, ECW was a huge casualty of the Monday Night Wars. I mean, WCW especially, but WWE to some degree, was raiding ECW's locker room. WWE had a, had a, a, a business relationship with ECW, so it wasn't it wasn't like they were poaching, but they were taking they were taking Dudley Boys, they were taking Taz, they were taking major draws that ECW had. WCW, on the other hand, was stealing guys right out from under them. I mean, you know, you had Mike Awesome as the ECW champion showing up on Nitro. They lost Raven, they lost Sandman, they lost Mikey Whipwreck, they lost everybody and had to keep building new stars. WCW's entire cruiserweight division was taken from guys that Paul Heyman brought into ECW to show Americans for the first time. I'm talking about Rey Mysterio and Psychosis and and Juventud Guerrera and Chris Jericho, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, all these guys. And I say all this to say that Tommy Dreamer showed loyalty in a business that, generally speaking, has very little of that. Tommy Dreamer never showed up in WCW, only showed up in WWE as a representative of ECW, and was one of the very few originals left in ECW at the very end um, without ever having left. I don't know if that was a a, a wise move financially. I think it, it, it built up some credibility, but... Uh, He's definitely somebody to admire. Tommy Dreamer has done a lot in this business, and I had the opportunity to sit down with him, have him join me on the podcast, and what a glorious treat it was. Tommy Dreamer here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. And here with me, the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer. Tommy, what's the haps? Just hanging out here. It's uh, happy to be here. Two guys from Westchester, just yeah. sitting here talking, talking wrestling, talking a little bit of whatever. I don't think I don't think people realize the deep history that Westchester has with pro wrestling. Correct. I I, I don't think anybody really realizes what Westchester is outside of New York. <laughs> but so who's from Westchester? You, me, Paul Heyman, obviously. Classy Freddie Blassie, Arnold Scolan, Lou Albano. Uh, Albano was up in Carmel, which. I don't know if that's isn't that another county? Isn't that I don't, what is it, Rockland or something? No, that's Dutchess County. Oh, isn't it? but yeah, he's uh, from there. Eddie Kingston, he's from uh, Yonkers. Yonkers. My, um, I, uh, I guess you know, you claim to fame is you want to be the most famous person from your hometown. But we also got Mary J. Blige. We mm-hmm. have a lot of you know famous DMX. My claim to fame so far 
is uh, I am the only celebrity from Yonkers not to be arrested. So, <laughs> so there you go. I got that. You yeah, could, you could aspire for that as well. I'm gonna try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I we got... don't know about Paul. He's you know he's probably got aliases. <laughs> we don't know about him. <laughs> right. So we can't answer that uh, question for Mr. Heyman. I but... went to DMX's uh, yard sale. Really? That's one of the benefits of living in Westchester. One of my other <laughs> Westchester friends was like, you got to look at this flyer. And I was like, this can't be real. This can't be legit. But it said, you know, boots and cars and jackets. And I was like, that sounds like what would be for sale at DMX's mm. yard sale. So I went to the house and he had big gates up that said DS. And I think his name is Daryl Simmons. That's so awesome. I said, yeah. And it was all just a bunch of like oversized leather Rough Rider jackets and Timberlands that were different colors. But if you had texted me, I would have been there too. <laughs> yeah. I would have bought some stuff. You got to check it out. Well, we also in Westchester, we're the highest tax county in America. Uh huh. And we have the most millionaires per capita. Really? I am not one of them. Oh. However, I pay taxes for them. Yeah. So we got the Clintons, right? We got them. Jay Z uh, lived there for a little while. Yeah. There's a uh, talk of. Uh, Obama coming there after his presidency is up. So yeah. We got all the Yankees, the Knicks, the Rangers. They all live there. They they mark up that big uh, millionaire per capita. Was your goal ever to be a millionaire in wrestling or was it just to wrestle? I think – no, mine was just to be a, a wrestler. I think I have been uh, I have been a millionaire a couple times or a really – Come close to being a millionaire, <laughs> right? Or you got the million, and then it was like, yeah, but you got to pay this bill. Yeah, dude, total. I lived uh, in. I moved from Yonkers. Uh, I lived basically with my parents till I was thirty. Uh, right wow. in, in Colonial Heights, all during ECW. Well, yeah, because uh, so so. What ages were you wrestling in ECW for? Twenty three till thirty, and then I went to WWE. So you, I mean, you're talking about the end of ECW. You yeah. were still living with your parents. Yep, I had, uh, you know, Beulah had an apartment uh, right off of Tuckahoe Road, but I hung my head at my parents' house all the time. And then, uh, see, that's even more. But that's something when you put Beulah into it. That's even more of like a, 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 a something to boost your ego with, because <laughs> most first people are going like, you know, how does Tommy land that? Yeah. I'm and proud then you also, you also add into the fact that not only did Tommy land that, but Tommy was living in his parents' house when I he landed used to that. Bang Beulah on my childhood bed for all <laughs> you guys out there. That's right. <laughs> Dreams do come true. That I used to have pro wrestlers posters all over the wall. I had an NFL bed spread for a while. That was so cool. How yeah. did I ever get laid as this fat kid? <laughs> Just the man. So so your parents obviously were supportive of the – but by the time you're like, you know, 30, you've been doing this for a while, ECW is at the highest it's ever been, but you're still at home. Your mom isn't going like, you know, Tommy, we got to we nope. gotta do something here. Nope. My parents uh, always supported me from day one. Uh, very, very blessed to have that because if you're an up-and-coming independent wrestler, yeah, uh, you need that. But, I mean, they got it. Uh, they saw the growth of ECW. And if ECW took off the way I had hoped, I pretty much had the most to gain. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, I went from ECW to unemployed for like six months. And then I went to WWE. In that time, I bought my MTV crib mansion up in Greenwich, Connecticut. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had saved some of, you know, money that I had and uh, bought a house. My parents were downstairs. Uh, I'm sorry, my parents were upstairs. Me and Beulah were downstairs, lived in Greenwich for three years. The market was booming. I sold my house for $1.3 million. I paid about $500,000. Really? And uh, to, That's a hell of a flip. Yes, but to reference what you said, the same day I, clo- I closed on my one house, well. I had to buy 
my house and my parents a home because my father was sick. He basically wanted to go back to Yonkers mm-hmm. to die. And uh, my mom, you know, and them. So I had a check that said my name, $1.3 million on it. And then I walked down the hall. Yeah. And then I had two mortgages. Uh. And my house was like seven fifty. My mom's house was like five fifty. So I went from a millionaire yeah. to an in-debt heir. That's it. Just like that. It's I walked all- down a hall. Right. I'm just going to stay in this hall because I'm happy right now. Who the hell knows what's going to happen when I walk down the other hall later? And you have to try to like, well, uh, in real estate, I'm worth a little more. Than- <laughs> no, Tommy, that's not how it works. So you were you must have been saving a lot of money, though, because at some point you must have been making something livable with ECW. Uh, yeah, every once in a while I get a paycheck or it, <laughs> my debt got so high, like I would just walk up to Paulie and I'd be like, hey, we did, you know, $12,000 in merch and uh, I'm taking it. And he'd be like, oh, can I have, like, $2,000? And I'd be like, all right, here. So I'll, yeah. I'll take $10,000 off for what you owe me. So it would be like you wouldn't get paid, you wouldn't get paid, you wouldn't get paid, and then you'd have – I had a $10,000 night. Yeah. And that would go right into the bank pretty much? That, and, you know, we did <clears> – <throat> I think a lot of us to – I would do anything I could to live, make my dream, you know, go forward again when I was early starting. Mm-hmm. When, I mean, I was in ECW, I was wrestling full-time, but – you know, I just, again, I had great parents that, uh, upper middle class. Mm-hmm. So they, I couldn't have stayed in ECW till the end if I didn't, I had no, you know, no kids. I had no, I had nothing. I had lived in my house and I knew if I had absolutely nothing, I could just live at home. Was there any part of you that like saw guys coming in and getting paid because they weren't? Loyal, like you were from from the beginning. You were very loyal to ECW. It started getting that way uh, more towards the end, uh, but you know, me and Paul were pretty tight. Yeah, and you know, again, if ECW took off the way it should have, I had the most to gain too. But I mean, my heart was there. I really believed in it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, we'll take, for example, a couple of weeks ago, I was wrestling in an ice storm up in Burlington, mm-hmm. Vermont. Uh, and there was probably a hundred and something people there. I still love it, and I still go out there and wrestle, but I was something like, man, I remember that time WCW offered me like $750,000, and I said no. And, you know, where you see Paul, you know, going to work his third WrestleMania main event. Right. And uh, But it's all good. You know, everything happens for a reason. You were very happy. But you do have those moments of, you know... Man, what if? But. Yeah, and I would imagine too, though. Yeah, but you're working now, and like you have a promotion now. You have House of Hardcore, yep. and I think part of that is because people are loyal to you because yes. they recognize what you gave to the business. And I don't think you would have a loyal fan base today had you gone to WCW. Correct. Um, a lot of those. It, that's why. Um, not to dwell on the past, but Paul Heyman gave me everything, mm-hmm. and. He, that is who I am. And, you know, it's funny, like, they're talking about Sting and Triple H, the guys who went down uh, with the ship 14 years ago. I was like, mm. yeah, throw me in a three-way in that. that you know, <laughs> let's take that to a... You are, I mean, you are the guy, you're yeah. the ECW but Sting. It, like the... you said, it made me It made me who I am. And, you know, even when I went to WWE and I didn't get the big, big push, mm-hmm. it was always, that's WWE doing it to him as opposed to, you know, his actual talent or in-ring ability so it's it's all good it's, it's it's who you are and i have no regrets whatsoever when you went to w first of all what were the six months like 
in bad. between. Like when you're unemployed, because you're like, I, I spent how, seven years, you said? Yeah. Of, okay, and there's always that light at the end of the tunnel. And when you realize, no, the tunnel's closed, yeah. and there you there is no was more the worst, money. Uh, worst time of my life. I was suicidal. Um, I was in the best shape of my life, though. I, when I went to WWE, you watch, I was 232 pounds. I could have maybe even went shirtless, a rare Tommy Dreamer experience. Thank Back to God the suspenders. No, nah, I wouldn't go that far. But, uh, <laughs> I was in the best shape of my life, and uh, just because I'm unemployed, I'm basically at work out. I was depressed. I was trying to keep my mind going. Mm-hmm. You know, I would hear from Paul sporadically, and, uh, you know, but WWE reached out to me, JR in particular, and just said, hey, uh, just hang in there, kid. And I remember, seriously, it was one of my, I worked at India and I didn't get paid. And I was driving home and, you know, I was just like, man, I wanted to kill Paul. And then JR just called me out of nowhere. I said, hey, time is Jim Ross. Just uh, where we're still, you know, we got you in mind. Just hang in there, kid. And I was like, wow, did he just know I got stiffed on a payday? Yeah. And, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, that was cool. And uh, Yeah, that's a big deal just to be like, you know, I don't have anything for you, but. Yep. People are aware that you at least exist. Yeah. And uh, thank God the WCW invasion failed. And then me and, you know, we got the call and me and Rob Van Dam were there to hop the guardrails, shock the business one more time. Right. And we took that whole thing back over for at least, well, I had a day. I had a whole day of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and we went to SmackDown the next day and uh, I caught The Undertaker when he overshot the whole pile and. Me and Undertaker became friends because I just I didn't really know him. Uh-huh. I looked right at him. I said, "I'll be the last guy there for you." And he overshot the whole pile, and I just threw him on top of me. And then uh, so we became friends from that. He imme- like he recognized that immediately and was like, "That's a stand up dude." Yeah. Well, when you're diving on people uh-huh. and you want to make sure uh, you catch them in wrestling, I see it more now than ever. In ECW, man, it was a code. You catch a guy uh, from Rob Van Dam to Sabu. Uh, I pride myself on being a guy who was there for... Yeah, and, and that's actually a taller task, you know, for those of us who have never done anything close to that. Because you look at Sabu, and he's flying all over the ring. you got to find him, and you got to make sure you're under yep. him. Especially when guys are flipping. Yeah. Uh, Van Dam. most people don't realize how incredibly thick he is. Mm-hmm. And then he is coming at you, and that ass hits you. <laughs> and he was probably like 220, 225. Uh-huh. But Rob is a thick dude, and, I mean, it's... I mean, your head would hit the guardrail, but I know my friend or the guy I'm working with didn't get killed because, I mean, guys get hurt. Right. I like to call it uh, alligator arms because now guys will be like, yeah, I'll catch you, I'll catch you, and their arms supposed like that, and all of a sudden they become alligators, and they get the little hands right and there. Like is that because people get scared at the last minute? Like, Probably, ah. they, they, uh Yeah. Hmm. That's why I'm not a big diver. I always knew if I had uh, Bubba, Devon. I like to dive on piles of people, like right. three. Uh, even when I went back to WWE in the Slammies, I worked uh, 3MB. There was three of them. I said, guys, you don't really have to catch me, but just let me just stop my fall. Right. And, you know, they were there for me. Yeah. And, I mean, again, it's that used to be how the business was. If a guy was diving, they would catch you because that's what you're supposed to do. Right. You're supposed to protect the person you're working with. Yep. Uh, did The Undertaker say anything to you at that point? He or was it thanks? And then right from there, kind of. It off. That was it. That was the whole thing. Catch the Undertaker, man. And are you still at that point in your life? So you just get to the WWE, and you've done, you know, you've been WWE locker rooms before, yep. here and there. But that's now you're a WWE wrestler. Have you been in wrestling long enough that you're? I don't want to say jaded, but a little jaded, or are you still? Oh my God, I'm sharing a locker room with the Undertaker. I've, 
I just celebrated 25 years in this business. I will never be jaded. Um, I always, this is my dream. This yeah. is all I've ever wanted to do since I was nine years old. And Terry Funk hit me up a long time ago and said, any day you're wrestling, it's a good day. And it truly is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, no, never jaded. Uh, at times, man, why are they not pushing me? At times, I mean, fed up, angry, uh, you know, wanting to beat people up. But it, it really, it took me till I was 38 years old to realize that. Uh, and, and for anyone listening there who wants to get into the world of professional wrestling, let me give you the greatest piece of advice that I could give you. Wrestling is fake. Um, <laughs> it is predetermined. Yeah. It is what only one person thinks of you. And if one person thinks of you as something, you will be something. If one person thinks of you as nothing, you will be nothing. And your in-ring talent, your in-ring ability at times doesn't mean a lot. But to me, and the proof of this, your in-ring ability means the most to the people who are paying to see you, the fans. That's why I always go out there and work my ass off every single time. Uh, I saw the rise of the Eddie Guerreros, the Rey Mysterios, even I know I'm not supposed to say his name, but Chris Benoit's, their in-ring talent, mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan, is what got them to the dance. And those are also, that's what we were talking about before, about the loyalty. Those are, the people that paid once are the ones that are going to stay with you. And Correct. even if you end up unemployed again, who's going to show up to the indie shows? Who's going to go to the website and find a t-shirt? Who's going to find a DVD? Yeah. Those are the people that are going to, I guess, I mean, when you talk about career longevity, what you want is a loyal fan base. Yes, 100%. And never, what I learned from ECW, never lie to your fans. Uh-huh. Uh, never, never did. And, you know, uh, with me and, you know, like you said, I, I guess I have credibility in yeah. uh, uncredible business. <laughs> yeah. I like to kind of treat people how they treat myself, but also like stipulations to me. Uh, what is that? It's still real to me, damn it. Yes. When I say something, it will never happen again. You know how many indie promoters have wanted to do me versus Raven? And I said, for my selling point, and yes, it is selling uh, for a promotion to try to get people to come see you, uh, for Hardcore Justice, for TNA, mm-hmm. Tommy Dreamer versus Raven, The Last Stand. That's it. I'm never going to do it again. I haven't never done it again. People want to do it in a tag, or if he wants to jump me, yeah, but I would never have my name versus his attached to go out there and wrestle so people can spend, even if it's $1. Right. Because to me, I hate when, oh, this guy's fired, and then we see him two weeks ago, or he's gone from wrestling forever. No, and then he pops happen. out from under the ring. Yeah. Uh, part of my show, I have had a lot of those stipulations. The last time uh, where I was up in Poughkeepsie, Tommy Dreamer and Terry Funk will never tag ever again. And when I tell you, not only was I crying, Terry turned to me. He's like, you bastard. You got me. He's crying. Lance Storm <laughs> is crying. Xbox crying. Angelina loves crying. It was this big love fest of everyone just crying. But that's, you know, to me what's missing. Yeah. And if it's, again, if someone wants me to tag with him in a six-man, fine. But you're never going to see me and him again. Uh, I did it with uh, an awesome three-way that just happened between Alex Reynolds, uh, Tony Nice. P.D. Williams. Mm-hmm. And I said, because oh, I did the match probably three, four times. It was so good. And then I said, hey, it's the last time you're ever going to see it. And then P.D. wound up retiring because uh, he got a good job and he has to work on weekends. And, you know, he got something called a 401k plan. I don't know what that's called. Yeah. And uh, Benefits. Yeah, <laughs> what is that? Stupid him. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> you know, it just kind of fell into that. And then even my last show at uh, House of Hardcore 7 at the arena was the last time you'll ever see Buell McGillicuddy. 
Um, she just came to me and said, I want to be done. I want to retire. And she's very, very happy just being a mom. She's yeah. a great mom. And she's like, my career started there. I'd like it to end there. And I said, you're booked. And I went old school. I didn't pay her. Um, and, uh, you know, it was funny. She got emotional. I I did a shoot run-in with my children to give her flowers at the end, which was uh, cool. I handed her the microphone, and she was mad at me. But I said, you got to say something to these people. Right. And uh, she was so overwhelmed that people still remembered her. And... The ovation she got, she was so happy. She wrote something on, you know, I tweeted it, but she was she was so happy about that. And that's another thing with me about wrestling is people don't ever get a chance to say goodbye. And I hate, 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 like me. WWE did me right when right. I left with, with Zack Ryder. They let me say goodbye. They let, And it was cool. It was awesome. The first person I walked through that curtain was Vince McMahon. And he shook my hand. He was like, that was great television. I had as long as I wanted to go. And guys, you know, fans then thought I was retired. or And I was like, no, I'm just, I just left. I just had signed a five-year deal. And I was just like, no, I'm, you know, not there anymore. The business is totally changing with social media and, and all that stuff. But I hate, uh, example, Rey Mysterio. Mm-hmm. Rey Mysterio, now, at least with social media, you're trending or even Samoa Joe you know, when yeah. he leaves, you're trending. People are like, oh, they now know r- the real story. And social media is totally changing the world of professional wrestling. But at least I always want to give people a chance to say goodbye to their audience that supported them throughout the years. Well, yeah, and I guess that's the, the only way to get around social media is to actually mean what you say. Yes. Like uh, all the lies are, or all, you know, trying to put get over on people, that all – comes out real quick in the wash and you no longer can try to work the internet or right work the smart marks because you're no longer working people and i was never like that you know i have last show i had alberto del rio mm-hmm. he was my it was his first post WWE appearance it happened so so quickly and it's like surprises you just don't tell people that's it right you know was- even when i went to the slammies i got a call at 3 30 in the afternoon uh, from Hunter, and he was uh, Hunter's assistant. He's like, hey, they want you to come and work Philly tonight. Can you make it? I was like, well, I'm just pulling into the gym. Uh, I got to go shower. And then, uh, yeah, I'll drive down. Don't tell anybody. Cool. Nobody knew. Uh, I was supposed to actually go teach at my wrestling school. Just said, hey, I can't make it. I got something come up. I drove down there. The moment I pulled into the parking lot, then I got, hey, are you here? Because blah, 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 the word got out, mm-hmm. you know? But how did the word get out? Word got out through them because they were like, uh, would they want a little buzz going in? Like, oh, maybe. I don't maybe know. Not. But I, uh, you know, the first person who texted me was uh, John Laurinaitis, mm-hmm. and he was just like, "Hey, uh, you're coming in. I'm your agent." Like question mark, question mark. <laughs> and I was just like, "You work there. You should know these things." You <laughs> yeah, know? I don't know why you're asking me. And uh, so, like, you know, it's I didn't. You just don't tell people. You know, right. I have. I've also pride myself on on my shows to have surprises uh, last time i actually said hey there's gonna be five surprises i gave them five surprises i don't know how many surprises i got this show but i got a lot of uh, heavy hitters and a lot of you know people gonna be there how do you ensure your psychology because okay like you can live by that psychology and you can make sure that when you say something you mean it and and this and that but okay now you've attached your name to a promotion house of hardcore how do you ensure that that thing that you live by is also something that 
the guys who wrestle for you are going to live by. Like, it, how can you advertise this is the last triple threat match? Do you just have to trust that these guys are going to follow? I said that would be the last triple threat match that I will ever do with them. That you will ever do? Correct. Okay, so if they go do it on another show, you're Correct. going, all we did was say it's the last time it's going to be at House of Hardcore. Correct. I can never, I know I can control, those, those are stipulations that, you know, could be kind of, but that was... That was me. Hey, I'm never going to do this match ever again. Right. So you want to see it here where it started? Go for it. Right. Um, but, you know, I mean, uh, Justin Credible is saying he's going to be leaving the wrestling business. So mm-hmm. is uh, Kid Cash, 2015. Mm-hmm. I would personally really, really like both guys. Still think both guys contribute to a, a wrestling match. I don't know if I would have their anniversary match. Or say it's the last time they're going to appear at the ECW arena. Because mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to control that. Right. And if I said that, and then they went out, even if it's a year later, mm-hmm. two years later, five years later, I would be angry at that. Because mm-hmm. I'm crazy. But <laughs> to me, I have to stick to stipulations. Yeah. I mean, it all starts somewhere. Yeah. Like, like if, if enough of those incidents pile up, you completely lose credibility. And it's like, okay, well, that's cool. That's the stipulation, but it doesn't actually mean anything. Right. So you're right on some of, but yeah, it is kind of crazy to think that every like you can never, it can never happen for you. You're, but. you're supposed to not, you know. Again, I I I kind of I don't think any professional wrestler should ever really retire mm-hmm. unless you know you look like Edge. Edge can never take a bump. Right. If he takes a bump, he could become crippled. His quality of life is over. Mick Foley can no longer take a bump. Right. McFoley can appear at shows. So can Edge. If you say, "Hey, this is my last ever in-ring performance," to me that includes promos. That could, this is my last ever match. Boom. Then that's it. That's fine. Walk away. What was the language that you used for your last WWE match? I don't. I mean, I, I was there. I remember being in the arena, but I don't remember what the language. If I lose, I'll leave ECW. And I will never go back to ECW. If they reformed ECW, uh-huh. I would not go back. But you would go back theoretically to WWE. I did. I went, but I never right. said, and I never said when the words come out of my mouth, I'm retiring or mm-hmm. if it's my last match, I will never wrestle again. Right. And it sucks for me because my mentor is Terry Funk, and he's in his seventies and still wrestling. <laughs> so I just turned forty-four. Uh-huh. I was, I like should have totally had Mick Foley as my mentor, <laughs> right? Because he just helped me. But Mick is no longer wrestling, mm-hmm. so. I screwed myself. I took a guy who's still working at 70. Although Mick's had several last matches. So. <laughs> no, like... uh, Mick, unfortunately, you know, he's he's had some brain issues. Uh, yeah. I was just with him this last. But you know what? Mick is an amazing ambassador. Mm-hmm. Mick can still cut a, a promo, talk the people in, which is a lost art. And he could still shove a sock down a man or a woman's throat. Right. So, I mean, hey, that's pro wrestling 101 right yeah, there. Yeah, he was just in Raw way at the last yep. PWS show and cut an amazing promo. That's what he does. And he still pulls it out. Uh, so when you got to WWE, mm-hmm. what were your goals there? Or was it just Madison let's... Square Garden. That was it? That was it. And you got there? Yep. So it wasn't, you weren't in your head going, I'm going to go there. And you know what? I know people say it's not going to happen, <laughs> but I'm going to be the WWE champion. Um, I'm a bit of a realist. Uh-huh. I also didn't, you don't, not that I say you don't need it. WWE is such a different animal than ECW. You know, ECW, I didn't need a title. I didn't need any of that. WWE, when you have a title, you are making major, major bank. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized, hey, I'm not a WWE guy. You know, it's funny. I actually wrestled in WWE longer 
Then I wrestled in ECW and people chant ECW. Um, Vince McMahon would never look at Tommy Dreamer and be like, uh, yeah, I'm going to make him the face of my company. Right. Not that I was an ugly man, Vince. I know you found me somewhat attractive. <laughs> However, I wore a T-shirt. I wasn't a home creation for him. Well, yeah, and he, well, yeah, on that end, yeah, you're definitely not a home creation. But he let you come in as... Yeah, Tommy Dreamer. It was the same. You looked the same. You yeah. acted the same. You were the same guy that we had gotten to know in ECW, which I mean, almost definitely would not happen right. in 2015. No, no, you would. I would have changed my name. I would have, you know, I actually probably, you know, and I say it to guys, I would not. How the business has changed, I would not have probably made it if I started today. I could not. I hated practice. I played football in high school. Mm-hmm. I hated practice. I put me out on the game, and I'm a crazy person. Right. I'm spearing people. I'm, you know, loading my elbow pads and lariating people. Yeah, I was nuts. However, <laughs> because, again, wrestling influenced my entire life. Uh-huh. But make me, like, have matches in front of no people. Make me, you know, like they do in the developmental system or, or just train every day, taking bumps, all that stuff. I could not do that. Mm-hmm. I would just go crazy. I like to perform in front of people. I don't care. If there's five people there, I will wrestle in front of five people and entertain five people. So is is that kind of how you learned? It's just doing shows, 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 shows? I mean, I I trained in Brooklyn. uh, And even then, when I was training, I was in a boxing gym. And you had boxers looking at you all the time. Or people would walk by and they'd watch you guys have matches. You know, me and Taz, uh, me and Damien Demento. And they, even though they're boxers and they're in their own thing, but they watch us, you know, somebody takes a big bump or there's always noise. Mm-hmm. You'd always see them watching. How did you feel uh, being part of the revived ECW in WWE? What did you think of the idea and then the execution of it? From the success of the first two pay-per-views was great. And, um, the, pay- and the first two pay-per-views were great. They felt like ECW. Yes. They, they, they... Well, uh, it was supposed to be totally different. Mm-hmm. Was, we want this product to be different. We want this product to be not like WWE. And uh, it all just became a part of the machine. And that, then the fans, again, credibility, they realize this isn't what we watched. You know, this isn't what we want to watch. And I get it. It's, you know, everyone talks, you know, about, you know, Vince and all that stuff. That, but that's how, that's how life is. Uh, there's politics in life. There's politics in everybody's job. Uh, I know today uh, LaShawn McCoy has been traded to the Buffalo Bills. Everyone in Philly's in an uproar. But the guy who's the head coach of the Eagles taught that kid who he traded him for. And LaShawn McCoy, even though he's an amazing player, he butted heads with the coach. Mm-hmm. So they just said, see ya. Now, to me, the only way to are you going to stop cheering for the Eagles if you're an Eagles fan? No, you're going to be pissed at them. But you're still going to be – if you're so pissed that you don't want to support them, then don't. You know, uh, that that's how I look at – you know, I love – some. most of the times I don't even – I don't watch pay-per-views. I just follow what's going on on Twitter, mm-hmm. and I'll <laughs> be able to de- determine what they like or what they don't like. Yeah. You know, and – you know, same same with Monday Night Raws or more Raws. I usually just tweet my own stuff or make fun of uh, things. And whenever you make fun of things, you get tons of retweets. And, yeah. And, you know, that's what this is all about, really. Yeah. Uh, or you know, express your mind. But people are so mad, or you know, I'm going to cancel the network. Well, just then don't watch. There's right. nine million things to do. Uh, on there's nine million things to watch on television. Go upstairs. Go to bed. Bang your wife. Go on the computer. Play a video game. Right. Go outside. Do something. 
But you don't have – if you hate something so much, don't watch it. So is that where you – because, I mean, there's two things going on with with wrestling and fans right now. Number one, you could say a lot of time is spent in WWE not listening to what the fans in the arena and the fans on the internet are are saying. You know, your your top good guys are getting booed. These these obvious moves are not getting made for moves that are obviously being met with displeasure. But at the same time, the ratings aren't really – dropping dramatically and right. and people are still buying the network so do you see this as as something that wwe is doing wrong or do you see it as something that the viewers are doing wrong um no i, I get so much uh i don't watch it anymore uh-huh. i got so sick of it blah, blah 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 fine um number one you can never go by ratings i've been alive for 44 years i have yet to meet one person that was a nielsen family it blows people's minds when they realize <laughs> that what those ratings are, they're not actually counting yes. TVs that are on. Correct. And it's, you know, it's the Neil. And I've never met a Nielsen family. And then I've heard like it's somewhere from like what one person watches represents like 225,000 people in that area. So think about that. Yeah. That's horrible. I think you could get, you know, again, DVRs mm-hmm. and a DVR rating is to me a lot more. And will become more prominent probably another five to ten years. Uh, with social media, my biggest, I don't want to say gripe, you cannot do something or tell people, hey, tell us your opinion, and then go the opposite way. You can't, you know, for the longest time, hey, tout us this, tout us that. Yeah. Go to the Facebook, go to the Twitter, and yes, it is a big business, but tell us your opinion, and then I do something opposite. You know, I could tell you, hey, man, I don't like you because you have curly hair. Right. You're like, well, this is my curly hair. Okay, well, uh, you know what? I don't like you. But if you change your hair, then I will like you. And then you come in and you change your hair. And then, you know, I still don't like you. Right. It's stupid. Right. And you can't, you cannot promote that way. And it's also, again, you can't. Roman Reigns is, I like Roman Reigns. I'm a big Roman Reigns supporter. I'm a huge John Cena supporter. He goes out there and always busts his ass. And Roman Reigns goes out there and works very, very hard. Roman Reigns, if I had Roman Reigns, I don't think they should have split up the shield. They went too short to keep the shield together. I think the shield should have been together for a while. But, uh, again, that's my opinion. Um, But I will watch every single week. I could hate what I see on television, but... I will still watch. I will still support. But if you don't like it, the, how do you hurt somebody? You hurt them in, in their pocket. Right. If everyone stopped tuning in, then guess what? Then they really would start changing. Uh, they would do, make other arrangements. If you won the Chicago Cubs, mm-hmm. haven't won a World Series in the longest time, people still go out there. People go out there because they like the Chicago Cubs. When I, Dude, I tweeted this so long ago. If you, as an organization, don't start listening to your fans, they won't come. And every you can see a down in uh, attendance across the board on a lot of s- sports. Mm-hmm. Why? They don't have good teams. So if you don't have a good team, they're not going to come watch you play. And then you say, "Oh crap! What do I got to do? Well, I got to make trades. I got to do. I got to rebuild my franchise." Because the bottom line is tickets and championships. Seattle back in the day sucked. Now Seattle's has the record for most sellouts. Why they got a good team, right? So you it's like, I mean, so nothing dramatic will probably happen until there's a re, until there's a need for it to happen. You want 
you're so mad about uh, Roman Reigns, and again, not me. You're so mad about Roman Reigns being in the main event. Don't buy the pay per view. Right. Again, the business is changing. Pay per view business isn't where it's at anymore. They have their own network. <laughs> if you're so angry, then don't watch. Or or don't, don't don't subscribe. Yeah, don't hashtag cancel the network. Yes. Actually, do it. <laughs> There's a huge difference between uh, tweeting about it and actually doing it. And even the the last pay per view, everyone was you know kind of angry. I saw the. I'll go back and watch. You know, Daniel Bryan Roman. Oh, they had a great match. Yeah, they did. And then uh, they'll you know people still be like you know what the hell they're not listening. It was for free. They gave you the show for free. Mm-hmm. You you have a free month. So. Right. I'd be pissed if I ordered the network and I uh paying nine ninety nine and other people are getting it for free. Right. But again, I, that's not my call, not my worries, not my headaches. No, not your my cross to bear. My biggest headache uh for House of Hardcore and I totally, totally was like, Holy crap. There was this one website, uh, a fan brought it to me. It was uh, one of those torrent sites. Yeah. Sixty sixth thousand illegal downloads of my one show right away i put a price tag on it my my i pay-per-view was 15 dollars. it's over seven hundred thousand dollars out of my pocket oh. and yes not all those people would have purchased it some though if it's i sixty six thousand, i would have that's life-changing that gets me on major networks that got me that would have gotten me so much and i was livid yeah at that I contacted them. They're from another country. The, there's no laws there. They right. have no trademark laws, no patent so you, laws. You found them. I got them. Which is like when you're talking about BitTorrent stuff, that's impossible. That Nobody tracks down. They're saying, hey, we're a third-party hosting service. We get all our shit from Dailymotion, from here or there. You contact, I pull down every content that you can find. And I actually got the one site shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the best part. There are now legal companies that will go after those sites, and they are almost like uh, they have diplomatic immunity. But this is how scumbag they are. They will give your email, if you're the one, who, you know, because you've got to join some of these things, mm-hmm. they will give you up, with, and they rat you out. And now there's people that they hit me up and they were like, hey, for we'll send them a fine. Uh, we have their name, blah, blah, blah. And then we could also, everything that they watched, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's agencies, government agencies that, you know, oversee all that. And uh, they say, we'll give them a fine. It's $250. You keep 150 we get 100 And they rat, they, this, these sites, they rat you out. So you get caught, even though they're the ones supplying it. So they go, look, we're gonna we're gonna be okay, but here's all our users. Yep. Just leave us alone. It's and not our hassle. And I also found out everyone who got it uh, got a virus. Um, oh. So I was actually happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, man, uh, sixty six thousand man. I was on just one on the first show. I don't think people realize how difficult it is unless you're producing content. I don't think anybody really realizes how difficult it is to monetize content in 2015. No. Like, it's impossible. Nope. But uh, it was cool because, I mean, also, like, with me, from that, I actually brought in some real people to try to take my company to the next level. And they did a uh, statistical analysis Mm -hmm. of my Twitter, my Instagram, all that stuff, and also my website. And they told me my website last month did uh, 6.3 million views. Wow. And they said, do you know what you're sitting on? And I was like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, well, you could get real sponsors. You can get, you have 
a lot of people coming to your website. And then they said it dramatically ends. I said, yeah, it dramatically ends once my show ends. Right. You know, because I'm always driving people, hey, get your tickets, watch here, blah, 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 blah. But again, it's it, so the it's point. A, is, so the, the only way to win is just to keep show, 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 another right. show, another show, another show, another show, and just ride the wave as long as you possibly can. Yeah, but I mean that was in one month. That was awesome. I mean I know about WWE does about one point two a day, but six point three in a that's month. That's pretty is, major. Yeah, that's huge. So uh, yeah, I got real sponsors now coming at you. <laughs> uh, did you is is do having your own promotion? Was that ever something that you saw yourself doing? Was that a goal? Yeah. Uh, you know, I did so much in the original ECW. Well, you know how much you know how I know how much you did in the original ECW. I think it was like probably ninety seven. It was I probably you out of the building. Back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you grabbed me by the hair and threw me on the street. I did that to Billy Corgan, by the way. Did That's you? That's a whole other story. I was. Uh, I'll ask about that in a second. But um, it would have been ninety ninety seven. So I was probably I don't know. 15, four, five, six, yeah, 14, 15 years old. And I went and got the uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated Almanac books, and they had the addresses in the back, like the corporate addresses for all the companies. And so I just started writing companies with self-addressed stamped envelopes asking for autographs or this or that. And the only thing I got back, I wrote to WCW, WWE, ECW, every address. The only thing I got back was an index card. Signed by Tommy Dreamer. Really? I sent it to whatever. I guess it was somebody's house. It was P.O. Box 155H, Scarsdale, New York. It I was believe. a Scarsdale yeah. address because I was in New Rochelle at the time going, yeah. whoa, I got to <laughs> I gotta track down this building. I sadly still like Twitter. I don't retweet everybody. I'm a, I can't stand people who retweet everybody's stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm a big DM person. I DM you privately so it doesn't fill up people's timeline. I mm-hmm. think that's courteous. Um, I have my own P.O. Box. People send me stuff all the time, and I do. I respond back to them. And that all goes back to Bob Backlund snubbing me back in the day for my first ever autograph at the White Plains County Center. A whole other story to go with that. But, again, how you just remember that I did that to you, which is for you, which is pretty funny. Yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah, man, I always. So you threw Billy Corgan out of the building? Uh, Billy Corgan shows up in Chicago, and everyone's, like, fawning all over him. And this is also when it was bigger, kayfabe, you know. And uh, Sign Guy Dudley was uh, there, and uh, he just saw me have the Tommy Dreamer look that he would always. I was, I, I was crazy. Um, and uh, he, I go, who's that? And he goes, <laughs> it's uh, Billy Corrigan. I go, why is he in the back? And he goes, what? I go, why is he in the back? I go, get him out of here. And he goes, no, 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 please, 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 don't throw him out. Don't throw him out. <laughs> and because if you came in the back, you weren't allowed. I mean, we, we were a goon squad. You, being in the back is a privilege. Uh, now it's a lot different. But, you know. Yeah, because at an indie show now, it's like right. but, lots uh, of people are wandering around back there. No, and there's a lot of old school guys that still bothers me. It does still bother me. But now I have more. This is our locker room. You need to get out. The back is a lot different. Right. Gotcha. So you have a space that's <clears throat> like, Correct. You know, right. and if you're hanging out in the locker room or, if you know, on a show that you're, you know, not, or if you're just, you know, whatever you don't need to see, you want you want to be back there, then fine. Then I'm going to get naked in front of you. I don't care <laughs> if you're a guy or if you're a girl. You're back in my where I'm supposed to get dressed. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll show you my fat ass. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, Billy Corrigan, I was like, he's like from Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, he's like, please don't. And Lou never, ever, like, you know, spoke up to me. And he's like please no, no no he's like huge and i was just like fine the cancer looking guy can stay because he just had the <laughs> shaved head the white he was skinny and lou was just like 
Because again, man, you live in a wrestler bubble. I had no clue who he was, uh-huh. and then I started talking to him, and we became really, really good friends. Right, but um, it was totally like you don't belong back here. I don't give a f-. you know. He sold out that building. Well, great, you didn't sell it out on the night that we're here. So get out of my right. Bag. Not even sort of realizing. Okay, like Smashing Pumpkins are bigger than ECW right now, and this lends us a lot of credibility. But, but then, I mean, you were probably right because then Billy Corgan comes out and instead of. Being a babyface, all the ECW fans are going to boom him out of the building. So. <laughs> no, he was Billy was always cool. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. also the same day that uh, Sinister Minister blew off his hands uh, in the back. It was pretty awesome. He blew off his finger. How do you do that? Uh, he was at a shoot of fire, and uh, there's ways you throw fire with uh, chemicals, mm-hmm. or there's flash paper. But he had a gun that would shoot flash paper, and he was doing it in the back, and he shot it and it blew off his fingers and in the back and he comes up to me and he's clutching and he's almost in shock and he goes Tommy Dreamer I think I lost my fingers <laughs> what do I do and he shows me I'm like go to the hospital yeah. and uh you're like I didn't know the locker room general title was <laughs> so we go back and I see big Sal there and he's got his head down and uh it happened and like he's like kind of like this and I think maybe big Sal's uh in shock and he's kind of like shaking i lift up and he's laughing and i go what are you doing he goes look his fingers are on the wall oh and he God. had it was such an explosion like part of his hand was stuck to the wall we were taking pictures with it we were a rough locker room in that ecw but those are all for an amazing stories an amazing ride of yeah the known of the extreme crazy wrestlers what was the uh was there anything that you did in ecw that you were like you know what i shouldn't have done that no you were happy with all of it what was the worst thing that you had to go through Physically? Yeah. Lawler cane in my balls. That was it. Yeah. I mean, it it ended in a great promo. I still remember sitting there watching it on WLNY. And you talking about the long needle. Yeah, I had to go to the hospital and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, getting hit that hard, got knocked out. You could watch it on YouTube. You hear when you really got hit. My high-pitched voice really did happen. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, were you mad at Lawler for hitting you that hard? No. Was that his job? Well... Uh, you know, when there's certain ways to hit a guy, mm-hmm. when you hit a guy with a baseball bat, mm-hmm. you kind of, you know, I guess you want to hit the mat. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I hit people for real. It's, you know, if not, <laughs> you've been hit for real. You hit people. I for won't real. hit you in the cane bends. So when he hit the cane bent and mm-hmm. totally caught me. So, uh, you know, I had to go to the hospital and, uh, they had a, you know, a nurse and she was a fan and, you know, I'm impact in ice and I was quite the ladies' man back then. And so I'm like, what's going on to the lady? And she's like, well, you got to see it now. You're, my testicles are probably like, I mean, swelling up with blood. They look disgusting. Uh-huh. And I wish I, like, I had a video camera because I would have totally been like on Tosh.0 with this by then. Yeah. But my penis was the actual size of a thimble because I was freezing <laughs> as well as my balls were so big. Right. So the, now I have to show an attractive looking lady uh-huh. my disgusting male area. Right. And uh, I was like, well, you're going to – I was like, can I have sex with you at another point in my life just to prove that this isn't what I look like? So, uh, yeah, I had a uh, – I had to show her that, and it was pretty good. And then they come at you with a big needle, and they drain, start draining your testicles. There's a place you never want to have your, a needle. No. I feel there in an eye are probably two places you don't want to have needles. Yeah. I've probably taken the eye first. <laughs> no, because you can't close your eyes. you got to look right at it. I don't know how people do LASIK surgery. you got to look right at it. I'd freak out. Yeah. Um, and then the other where I wanted to do in my promo, but, you know, at times we did have rules, ladies and gentlemen. 
because uh, the blood after the injury starts dissipating mm-hmm. through your body and it goes down. So I had like brown, yellow, blue, almost like a stain of blood going down from my man bag to like half my legs. Ugh. So I looked like I had the weirdest venereal disease for like, <laughs> I don't know, like six days. And I'd be like to girls, no, seriously, uh, this is this is going to go away. <laughs> Come, service me. <laughs> but they wouldn't let you show it in the promo? No, Paul wouldn't let me show my disgusting area. Huh. I would have gotten naked for ECW. ECW, I would have done anything. Right. Yeah, that was your gig. <laughs> <laughs> what was your relationship? Oh, well, what was Jerry Lawler like? Because Jerry Lawler was one of those, when he came into ECW, that was probably the last time you had an old school he- heel where... You fans wanted to hurt him. They wanted to stab him. Yes. They wanted to riot because he was there. And it's not this, if Cena wins, we riot stuff. It's like, no, 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 no. No, we were going to riot. We want to hurt. Tell me what car he's in because. There was uh, Shane Douglas had that once when uh, he threw down Pitbull. Uh, By the neck. Anthony uh, the with his halo. halo. On. Yeah. Uh, King had that. Cornette had that, too, in that, that same uh, deal. It was actually Cornette that woke me up with his racket that when I passed out, oh. hitting me. Um Jerry Lawler is one of the best in-ring performers. Mm-hmm. He was the total perfect heel for Tommy Dreamer to be, you know, he was the ECW, the WWE guy was the ECW. It was, it was a great natural, it was, uh, you know, I don't know, Batman and the Joker, mm-hmm. uh, Batman and the Riddler. It was, you know, Superman versus what's his name. And, and, and depending on where you went, you kind of switched roles because the WWE audience... Is gonna even though Jerry Lawler is a heel there, they're gonna root no, for Jerry Lawler. No, they always cheered for us. Did they? I mean, you go back watch any of those invasions thing? Is that just because ECW was cool wherever you went? Yes, it's, and uh, you know it was funny. Even I remember like with Paul, we did the uh, you know an invasion. We did it at the Manhattan Center, and then another time we did it with uh, up in Worcester, Massachusetts, and they're having a debate, and Paul's like, "I'm gonna shoot on him a little bit," and then uh, whatever. I said, "Okay, no problem." And I had Paul's back, you know, whatever. If it got physical, you know, if I, you know, I'd have to kick Jerry Lawler's ass. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, no matter, they said, and again, when you realize you're not in, you know, Kansas anymore, but you know, I was still, I worked in ECW. I didn't care what they said. I'll do whatever. And uh, whatever you do, don't touch the podium. Don't touch the podium. And uh, Lawler steps up to Paul, and I step up, and I bang on the podium, and it. I looked like I was like the Fonz or like the strongest, coolest guy ever because as soon as I banged on it, it crumbled like a deck of cards. <laughs> and I was like, what do you want to do, Lawler? Like, you know, like totally going to fight him. But when I hit that thing, it just folded great. I was like, that is so awesome. Yeah, perfect. When, yeah. When, when you guys were doing that original invasion stuff, the Manhattan Center stuff, did you have any idea where it was leading? It didn't necessarily lead. No, uh, Paul, it was supposed to lead to uh, me and Saman versus Sabu and Van Damme at SummerSlam. Uh, at the Meadowlands, but that all went sour. Um, either went sour more. Um, Van Dam refused to do a job for I want to say Road Dog. Ah, uh, so they're like, we need to use your guys to build our guys up, and then we'll give you something like that. Yeah, but again, Paul was just telling us this. It, it was a lot of lies. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of we weren't getting the truth. And if, you know, I believe Paul probably told Vince, like you could ask Paul, uh, he probably told Vince, uh, everybody's in on it, we'll do anything. And then we had creative freedom 
And if we didn't like something, we would tell Paul, hey, well, what about this, this, this? And Paul would at least listen. Um, and then so, you know, Van Dam was just like, no, I'm not going to do that. How does that help me? You know, but it was, again, if you think about it, I don't work here. You know? Right. So it was kind of a, a weird, different different time. Yeah, yeah, so. for sure. Uh, what is your rela- relationship with Paul Heyman right now? I really don't talk to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I hit him up uh, every once in a while. But cool. I don't have any animosity towards yeah. him. You know, why should I? And what was it like? He's the best best in-ring promo guy of all time. Still. Amazing. Still to this day. I tweet, you know, his stuff whenever he's great. Yeah. It's funny when me and uh, Bubba always talk about him. Whenever something is like, you know, November rain comes on, he's just like, it's all Paul's fault. I'm like, yep, it is, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the journey. Exactly. Um, and what was it like? After seeing ECW and, and, and living through that and then living through all those years in WWE, uh, to then step into TNA, what's it like? Uh, or is it just a gig? When I went there, I had something to prove. I felt like I was a battered uh, dog and really wanted to go next level. And I had uh, <clears throat> I had something to prove to people that, hey, I still got it. I was pretty much fed to believe that I was worthless. Mm-hmm. And that started my whole thing with AJ Styles. And I was so, I got to prove to the world that I can hang with this guy. Mm-hmm. And it was really, really a blessing for me, as well as then, uh, you know, hey, we want you to write Hardcore Justice. That pay-per-view was very, very successful. Then some of the politics came on board. And then I was like, you know what, I'm done. And... Uh, Right, because you're, you're in a position that. where if you're not having a good time... Yep, I don't care. There's no reason for you to do it's it. It's not even that I'm having a good time. I don't need to deal with people's BS. Right. Uh, I'm a man, you're a man. If I have a problem with you, let's talk it out. Let's still do business. If mm-hmm. not, let's fight. And whoever comes out, then you're the winner. Then don't talk crap about me. I won't talk about crap about you. But that doesn't happen in wrestling. Uh, so it's I left. I came back. And, you know... Uh, I'm happy. I enjoy helping out behind the scenes there. I'm, I'm in a great position because I get to use some of their guys. Right. Uh, I'm I'm truly the free agent of professional wrestling. So and I mean, you get to go on TNA TV wearing yep. House of Hardcore stuff. Yeah. Well, it's they they've been great to me. Yeah. Uh, they've had a change in management. Uh, I love the guys. I love performing in front of the fans. And hey, to be still wrestling on television at 44 years old, or even that whole thing of going to put Dixie through the table mm-hmm. and me going out there and be able to vent my opinion about what the wrestling business and how she was hurting it, blah, blah, blah. That was all real. Mm-hmm. It helped my promotion. It got me. I had my third show. I had national television exposure on show number three, which is huge. Yeah. Well, where can people find info about House of Hardcore? Houseofhardcore.net. The Tommy Dreamer on Twitter, The Tommy Dreamer on Facebook, The Tommy Dreamer on Instagram. And if you're going to check out these shows, number one, try to check out a live show if you're in the Philly area or wherever uh, House of Hardcore ends up going in the future. But, you know, pick up the Blu-rays. Yep, Blu-rays, DVDs. And, and you know, uh, it was funny. I was just – Leonard Nimoy, as you know, just died. Yeah. And uh, a guy on television, uh, he hosts Channel 5 show. I don't know what the – Good Day New York, whatever. He brought out his Enterprise and he said, I have everybody signed on it but Spock. And he said, I wanted to walk away from the show. He was right down the block, and they wouldn't let me leave. He goes, I knew I could have just snuck out, but I didn't do it. He's like, I could never have gotten that. There were so many people like, man, I've never been to the arena. Or, hey, I may never be able to see 
this guy, get this guy's autograph, right. meet this guy, or talk to this person. And not just for my show, for every show. Right. You see guys out there, do it, because you don't want to have any regrets in life. I really, yeah. I don't. I think that's 100% true. And uh, talking about Bubba Ray Dudley, last time I saw Bubba, uh, it was probably a couple months ago. But if you, you know, he does shows all over the place. He does all kinds of shows. But he was like, this House of Hardcore, waiting. If you want to see me, right, wait until the next House of Hardcore show, because that's the show to see. So uh, I recommend it. Tommy, man, thanks for sitting down. Thanks for having me, buddy. Here is Sam Roberts. I want to start a Wrestling Legends of Westchester house tour. You go by my apartment, and I'm doing a podcast through the window. You go by Tommy Dreamer's house, go by Paul Heyman's house, see where the late, great, classy Freddie Blassie lived. You get me with a wrestler from Westchester who's done what Tommy Dreamer has done, and I'll talk all day. Unfortunately, it's left me with very little time for the state of wrestling, so let's get into it. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. First and foremost, let me make the announcement. We have winners in the hashtag Time Machine Match Contest. Remember a couple weeks ago, Katie Linendahl was on here, and we issued a challenge to you to create a Time Machine Match for this year's WrestleMania. And as long as it's taken matches to get booked by WWE, it took us, Katie Linendahl and myself, this long to figure out who the two winners were. Uh, we're going to send you some WrestleMania gear. I think we said some WrestleMania hoodies. The first winner, and there were a lot of very good responses. Okay, I did notice some people were playing some favoritism based on the conversation that Katie and I had. I read the one that was a favorite of mine. There was Million Dollar Corporation Tatanka versus Native American Tatanka. A lot of Tatanka love. Uh, and, of course, playing on Katie Linendahl's love of all things Samoan. Uh, the Usos versus the Head Shrinkers versus the Wild Samoans. Lots of good choices. However, the two that we picked to win were first sent in by Hot Rods 22, Benny Bravo. Uh, the Mega Powers versus the Dudes with Attitudes. I would love that. Hulk Hogan and Macho Man versus Shawn Michaels and Diesel. Perfect. That is what we talk about. A lot of time machine matches that I saw were like uh, rematches from a different era or matches that could take place in this era. Like one was uh, uh, Enzo Amore and Big Cass versus the Bromans. You don't need a time machine for that. You just need the Bromans to be out of their TNA contract. Uh, so that did not win. But Benny Bravo at Hot Rods 22 did win with the Mega Powers versus Dudes with Attitudes. The second winner... Brrr, Jimmy Coopland, at Jimmy Coopland, I think that's how you say his name, this, because it was creative, three stages of hell, dumpster, hog pen, buried alive, Henry Godwin versus Duke the Dumpster Drossy. Now, could Duke the Dumpster Drossy and Henry Godwin have wrestled? Yes, but you'd need a time machine to add in the three stages of hell stipulation. I found it to be very creative. So both of you, I will follow you both and uh, DM you for your addresses, and you have won. So uh, be on the lookout for me. Now, not a whole lot of time left for the state of wrestling this week. I should start uh, an, an addendum to this podcast. Maybe this podcast should be twice a week, and state of wrestling should be its own podcast. Interview on Tuesday or Wednesday and state of wrestling on Friday. I don't know. If that's something you'd like to see, then tweet me, at not Sam. But while we have a little bit of time, uh, look. I'm very, very excited about WrestleMania. I think it's going to be a great WrestleMania. It's very rare that WrestleMania is actually screwed up. 
WrestleMania is almost always a great show. Look, I didn't agree with every decision that they made with the Royal Rumble, but being there live, I found the Royal Rumble to be a great show. Uh, They replayed it the next night on Raw, and I mean, the Royal Rumble match, the first half was really, really good. The triple threat match for the title was excellent. Um, There were a lot of great things about that pay-per-view. The booking got wonky towards the end of the Royal Rumble match itself, and that last 20 minutes kind of colored the entire pay-per-view. But for the rest of it, I thought it was really good. Um, I think WrestleMania might have some holes in it, but look, as much of a rant as I went on last week about the Intercontinental Ladder match, and it really does appear that Daniel Bryan will be in that match. That's going to be Daniel Bryan's WrestleMania spot. I couldn't agree with it less. However, that match is going to be incredible. I I hope nobody took that to mean it wouldn't be good. I mean, Daniel Bryan and, and now Stardust has just officially been added, and Dean Ambrose and Luke Harper and Wade Barrett. And R-Truth, all the, I mean, it's going to be an incredible ladder match. It's going to be really, really great and exciting to watch. Uh, I just wish Daniel Bryan had a more prominent spot. Uh, I think the—I don't know. I almost get the feeling like WWE has lost faith in their main event. They are not highlighting this—it doesn't feel—Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar does not feel like a match-of-the-century type of match, which it kind of should. Uh, I would like to see— I mean, Paul Heyman is just untouchable as far as cutting promos go. You know, and he makes a work look like a shoot, a shoot look like a work. You have no idea. And, I mean, you heard a little bit of that from Tommy Dreamer working with him. You never have any idea when Paul Heyman is working, and I think that's that's the best part of Paul Heyman. He's just so good and so convincing, uh, and his promos are fantastic. He can talk anybody into any building. It's just a matter of what story he's telling. He, right on television, Paul Heyman's character is representing Brock Lesnar, so of course he's got to make him look strong. But in making him look strong, I feel like uh, he didn't do anything for The Undertaker. You know, he kind of really highlighted the fact that we have not seen The Undertaker and that, you know, Brock Lesnar destroyed him and blah, blah, blah. And this was right before we announced that The Undertaker's coming back to fight Bray Wyatt. And it's like, well, is that that exciting then? Yeah, I think it is. It's just a matter of how it's set up because of how much attention is being put on Brock Lesnar. I would like to see almost like what happened with John Cena and The Rock, where The Rock was obviously the more popular of the two. But John Cena came out, and he gave it to The Rock as hard as The Rock gave it to John Cena. I would like to see Roman Reigns come out and say, you know, you talk a big game. Call out Brock Lesnar for not being on the show. Call out Brock Lesnar for walking off the show. Make it feel real. Call out Brock Lesnar for taking the title hostage, and by that I mean not allowing fans to see that title defended regularly on pay-per-views. Call out Brock Lesnar for everything that fans have been complaining about since SummerSlam. Why not? Roman Reigns has that ground to stand on, um, and I would have—I hope—we have two more Raws, I hope. That within these two Raws, there is a face-to-face confrontation between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. And I hope Roman Reigns is able to get some shots in on him verbally. Because there are weaknesses in the whole Brock Lesnar thing. There are, there are reasons to boo Brock Lesnar. And I think it's up to Roman Reigns as a character to bring those things up. Hopefully, that character will get a chance to do that on TV. I, that that's That is what I think would really make this match something to look at. Uh, I mean, I'm super excited to see 
Randy Orton and Seth Rollins. I do hope that Jon Stewart gets uh, put in. I, I hope that Jon Stewart is a part of WrestleMania. Um, I think I, I think it would only add to it. I still would have preferred to see Daniel Bryan in the Randy Orton slot, but I'm glad to see Randy Orton. I think he's uh, also incredibly talented. Look, I'll talk more about WrestleMania next week. Uh, so much going on. I don't have time to cover any of it. It's, it's, it's This podcast is supposed to be an hour long. We're already over time. Uh, make sure, make sure that you go to uh, prowrestlingtees.com slash Sam Roberts. Get yourself a shirt. Go to notsam.com. You can see all the videos. You can get all the podcast links there. You can do everything you need. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a review. Rate it five stars. And we will see you next week here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.